Well, good morning. It's good to see you. And it's good to be in 2018 because 2018 is going to be a glorious year for God's church and God's people. The church, despite its significant problems in the West, is growing globally faster than at any time in history, which should mean that more people will become Christians in 2018 than in any previous year. And even if the stats weren't backing it up, God has said that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, and the church is God's agent of making that happen. And Jesus has said that he is building his church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. These things will continue to happen in 2018. And God's people individually have much to expect as well. We are being transformed into the image of Jesus from one degree of glory to another. That's what the Bible says. The Bible also says that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And that day is coming. It is coming closer with every breath that we take. God's people continue to move towards the climax of their existence. No Christian here is over the hill. We are all still heading upwards. These things are certain every year because God has promised them and he doesn't change. So how should we feel about 2018 as it gets started? What should our expectations be for the year ahead? Well, today we're starting the second half of our uh, preaching series looking at Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And this is the turning point in the letter when Paul moves from talking about all the wonderful things that God has done to how Christians should live in response to all of those things. Those things include us being chosen to be part of God's perfect plan, which he formed with Christ and the Spirit before time began. The things God has done includes making us alive when we were spiritually dead, setting us free from sin and letting us loose on holy living instead, adopting us into his family, filling us with his Holy Spirit, God himself, and bringing us into his church to demonstrate to the whole of creation the wisdom of God. Those are some of the things that he's done that we looked at last term, which you can read in Ephesians 1 to 3. And if all this wasn't enough, Paul concludes the first half of the letter by praying that God would do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to his power at work in us. So if all that's the case, what should our expectations be for this year? How should we be feeling about it and ourselves in it, and what God's going to do in us and through us. Well, on New Year's Day, I was having uh, the usual resolutions chat uh, with a friend as we were off on a walk uh, with a group of us. And they said they'd heard a suggestion uh, that rather than come up with the usual kind of list of limited targets to try to keep, uh, they'd heard the suggestion that instead you uh, think of a word that you would hope to define the coming year for you and you make decisions in light of that word. So with all that we've just heard, 
about who God is, what he's done, what he's doing in his church, what he's going to do in you, what word would you choose for 2018? What word would seem fitting with these great and glorious and certain promises? Well, in Ephesians 4 verse 1, Paul chooses a word to summarise how we're to live. And given all this build-up, it may seem a little underwhelming. Here we go, Ephesians 4. I therefore, so therefore of three chapters of glory and everything else that God's going to do, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. For some here, Paul's choice of words may seem a little pedestrian. (laughs) But it might seem like that. Why walk when you could run or you could fly? For others here, you may see, walking may feel like a step or two too far. You're not even sure if you can stand at the moment. But whichever perspective you currently feel more sympathy with, God uses the word walk to describe the life of a Christian hundreds of times in the Bible. It's so common that some of your translations of Ephesians 4 in your Bibles will just say to live a life worthy of the calling because that's, the, the two words are synonymous. What is it about walking that makes it such a helpful word, in God's opinion, to express to us his intentions and expectations for us? Well, walking something that in most ordinary circumstances all of us would expect to do every day. It's just an everyday, all of us kind of a thing to do. Walking implies progress. Our lives aren't random, our actions aren't pointless. We're meant to be heading somewhere and getting there. Walking isn't particularly spectacular. It is literally one step at a time. It's why speed walkers look so weird. <laughs> I know all sport's weird if you start to think about it, but speed walkers take a thing that should be normal and make it very unnormal. No offence if that's what you do, but it is weird. Life has moments of dramatic change, sudden acceleration, complete turnaround, sudden standstill. But most of it is lived in normal, day-to-day, like walking, and God meets us there and wants us to know that. And walking can be done in partnership. Amos 3 verse 3 says, Do two walk together unless they've agreed to meet? And the answer, certainly in the UK, is no. (laughs) That's the only reason they would do that. If you were walking along a path and someone else who you didn't know suddenly came alongside you and started walking at exactly the same pace, in exactly the same way, you would very quickly find it very weird. But if you know someone who you know, you, you bump into someone you know, and you find out you're going to the same place, It's the most natural thing in the world to walk together. The road Christians are called to walk is narrow, but we're not meant to walk it alone. We have a God who loves to be with us. 
and many fellow walkers. So are you walking with God? Would that word describe the nature of your relationship with him? Every day, moving forward, in the normal, with him and with others. I think given how often it's mentioned in the Bible, and how much there is that we can learn from it, I think knowing that we're walking with God and learning to walk with God is absolutely essential. And so that's what we're going to spend our time looking at this morning. We're going to see there four particularly, uh, four characteristics of Christian walking. So if you want to walk with God or you want to be convinced to walk with God, why don't you join me in praying right now? Uh, Lord, we want to thank you, Jesus, that you've walked this earth yourself and that you call us to walk with you. And I want to ask that you would open our ears and our minds and our hearts now to your truth and that you would stir us to walk with you and to discover the wonderful joys and privileges of it. Lord, help us here, whether we feel absolutely on board with this or not that interested or somewhere in between. Help us now to hear from you. Amen. Amen. Okay, so four things, four characteristics of Christian walking. The first one is that it is about following Jesus. Matthew 4, 18 to 20 says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, because that's what he did all the time, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Jesus sets our agenda. Follow me is about obedience and about friendship. The sense of walking, being obedient, runs all the way through the Bible. After God had rescued Israel from Egypt, which of course included them walking on the dry land that had been the Red Sea, he said to them, you shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you lived, and you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan to which I'm bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You shall follow my rules and keep my statutes and walk in them. I am the Lord your God. And that's frequently uh, how God describes obedience to him in the Old Testament, walking with him, walking in his rules, in his statutes. And so failure to walk in the ways that God commands is disobedient, it's ungrateful, it's proud, and it's foolish. And we all do it. We wander off. And the way the Bible describes this is that we wander off into darkness away from the goodness and the light of God. But Jesus said of himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so our walking with God is therefore reactive. It is responsive. It is not self-determined. It starts with him calling us, it's not our idea, and it continues with him being in charge. We're not free to go our own way. We're not. We're told this all the time, that we are, we've got freedom to make our own choices, but if you're a Christian, you don't. You just don't. 
Because Jesus is in charge. And he's called you to follow him. Many of us try to work this out by walking with him some of the time and then some other ways when that suits us. But you can't walk two paths. You can't walk in two directions at once. You must decide. I've mentioned it already today. Repentance, which is coming back to God. It is turning from the way in which you were walking and turning towards God. And to follow him. Are there things that you need to repent of to turn around from doing if you are to follow Jesus as you believe you should be, as you know you should be? Are there things in your life where you aren't following him? You've said you're going to, but you're not. You can't say you love him and not follow him. 2 John verse 6 says, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. So if you say you love Jesus, this is what it looks like, obeying him. And if you obey him, that's about you loving him. And that's this second meaning of friendship that comes when we follow Jesus. Obedience, but it's also friendship. That's what Jesus is inviting us into. To walk with God is a privilege of belonging to him. All the way back at the start of the story in the Bible, Genesis 3 tells us that God walked in the garden in the cool of the day to be with Adam and Eve. Later on, when his people were uh, traveling through the wilderness, Deuteronomy 23, 14 says, The Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp. And right at the end of the book, in Revelation, Jesus describes himself in Revelation chapter 2 as the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, which is the picture image for the church. God walks in the garden where his people are. God walks in the camp where his people are gathered. He walks among the church. He loves to be with us. This is so wonderful because this assures us that we can have a daily relationship with him. We can know him. We can experience him on a daily basis. That's what those first disciples who followed Jesus had. They started walking with him. They became his friends. So at the start, he says, follow me. At the end of their story together, when they're in the upper room, the night before he's uh, killed on the cross, he says, we're friends. You're my servants, but you're also my friends. And so that's what they experienced over those years. They walked with him. They ate with him. They talked with him. They shared jokes with him. They saw him do incredible things. They heard him tell them things that they didn't want to hear. He sent them off to do things and to come back to him. A friendship developed over that time. They were the first to experience this, but they weren't meant to be the only ones to experience this. This is the privilege of all God's people that we know him and that we know his friendship. Knowing that he's with you every day, knowing that you're walking with him every day means that any tiny goodness is understood as a blessing from him. When God first broke into my life, I was, like, I was about 20. I'd gone along to church and stuff for a while, but when I was 20, God broke in and suddenly I realised what it was to walk with him every day. And these little things would happen 
all the time. And when they first started happening, because they were just, they were just these little moments of being with God, of knowing that he was alongside me and that he was just finding different ways to bless me, to encourage me, to challenge me, to help me. I used to write them down because I was amazed that God would do this. And they're still amazing. But I've kind of stopped because they happen a lot. There are some huge moments they're obviously the, the, the pivot points of our lives when, and, and often God breaks in in those moments and those are worth talking about with everyone. But my experience is that there are daily moments when God just is like, I'm with you. See that? That's because I'm with you. Look at that differently. I'm with you. I'm talking to you. I'm blessing you. I'm encouraging you. This is the privilege of friendship with God that he wants all of us to have. And so any tiny goodness, we know that he's with us. But also any sorrow can be consoled. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. That's why. Good days, bad days. Good years, bad years. He's always with us. And so we share these moments together, things that we can thank him for, things that we can repent of, things that we can ask help with, things that we just want to say, Lord, this is amazing, this wonderful thing that you've done, this good thing that you've done. There's an old hymn whose chorus goes, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me that I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. And that's that's what it's meant to be like to walk with Jesus. These unique, personal, almost daily experiences of him. He wants that for you. So a people who walk, firstly, it's about walking with Jesus, obedience and friendship. Secondly, Jesus gives us strength. One of the many wonderful things that we see Jesus doing in the Gospels is that he makes lame people walk. People whose legs were unable to move, Jesus' power comes into them. And then he says to them, follow me. And they're like, I can literally now do this, having not been able to do it before. Jesus does this spiritually for all of us. None of us can follow Jesus in our own strength. You can't even start without his miraculous power. You might come along to church for a while and see some of the external things that Christians are doing and think, well, I can just about copy that. I can sing. I can put my hand up. I can maybe even put my hand in my pocket. I, you, know, you can copy some of the externals, but you cannot change yourself on the inside. You cannot become new without the miraculous power of God. And you cannot walk for your whole life in obedience to him unless you're empowered by him. And the good news is, God loves to give you that power. He wants to give you that power. He knows you can't do it without him. And so he gives us himself. He promised it in the Old Testament. Ezekiel 36 says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So if you're wanting to follow Jesus and you're finding it hard, you need more of the Holy Spirit. You need more of the strength of God to be at work in you. And if you're here today and the things that you've heard and seen are make you think, I, I, I want this, I need this. Well, ask him. Ask him because he wants to help you. 
You can't do it in your own strength. But he has walked perfectly on your behalf. He has died for your failure to do so. And he has been raised to new life that his resurrection power might be at work in you as well, if you ask him to. This is what is an offer to you today. And if, you're, if you are a Christian, this is still an offer to you. This isn't how you got started. It's not like God wound you up or gave you a limited amount of power, and then it's like, off you go, good luck. See how far you get. God promises every day to be the resource that we need. When he taught us to pray, Jesus let us know how long we were go- how frequently we were going to need to ask him for help. He said, give us this day our daily bread. You need to ask him every day. You're meant to ask him every day. Because if you didn't have to ask him every day, you might wander off and do things by yourself for a while, and that wouldn't work out. Every day, God wants you close. Every day, he wants you asking. He wants you dependent. There are no secrets or surprises how this happens, how we get this goodness, this strength of God. They are as old as the church itself. They're known as spiritual disciplines. They're decisions that we make and practices that we do that enable us to receive strength and grace from God on a daily basis. It's not that we do necessarily every one of them every day, but they are the rhythms of our lives by which we get the grace we need to walk. So years ago, I made decisions because people kept telling me it was the thing to do and it sounded like it was the thing to do. But if I spent time in every morning reading God's word, I would know him with me more. And that if I prayed every day, I would know his power at work in me. And that if I ended the day by thanking him for what had gone in that day, I would have a more accurate understanding of my life because I'd be looking at it with him rather than just in my own eyes. And so years of those decisions have gone and those are now habits that are in me that give me grace every day. They mean that I'm regularly focusing on him, I'm depending on him, I'm recognising his presence, I'm asking for his power in my life. I'm not doing those things because they're magic and that you do that for 10 minutes and so this happens. I'm doing them because they change me and it's God who changes me and God who gives his power and so that's why we should do them. And then there's more that we can do. So last year, I started uh, setting aside a fixed period of time where I was going to pray in tongues every morning because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14 that when you do that, you are strengthened. I thought, well, I need more of God's strength. I've got some and it's good, but I want more. Well, this says I'll get strength by it. So in it goes. It becomes a rhythm of my life. Recently, I set an alarm on my phone that goes off at 1 p.m. every day and it just says, pray. And it reminds me to pray. And that's just, it's, it's, I don't then have an amazing period of time of praying at that point. Usually it's, I'm just like, oh yes, Lord, thank you for something this morning. Or Lord, I'm about to do this and I don't know how to, please you help. Or something like that. The point of it is, it's reminding me that I'm walking with God all the time. That I'm meant to be. That's what it does for me. It says, hey, we're walking together. And I've never yet, in the lead up to one o'clock, thought, oh, the alarm's going to go in a few minutes. Let's get ready to pray. It always interrupts me. <laughs> I was, oh, the al- I did set that alarm. Yes, I did. Oh, yes, I am walking with it. Because almost always when it comes to accessing God's power, it is a case of choosing between something that won't help you to do that and that will. 
You're very rarely in a neutral zone just sitting, waiting for some help. Very few people here, I imagine, like, my life is pretty empty at the moment. Let's find some new things to fill it. (laughs) Well, in his spiritual classic, The Practice of the Presence of God, Brother Lawrence said, I made this my business, not only at the appointed times of prayer, but all the time, every hour, every minute, even in the height of my work, I drove from my mind everything that interrupted my thoughts of God. Now, he worked in a kitchen for a while, and then he worked repairing shoes. And you might think, well, no wonder he said that, because if only he realized how busy my job was. Well, okay. How about then take the bits of the time when you're not doing your job and focus your thoughts on God then? I think for most of us, that's a decent enough place to start. We have to make choices to do this. If you think that watching TV or wandering online late at night uh, will do you more good than going to bed earlier so that you can get up earlier and spend time with God and pray, well, good luck. Most of us are going to have to make choices to get hold of this. Again, it's part of obedience and it's God's lordship. We're saying, now, Lord, I want this rather than that. I want you. A friend of mine has a great example of this. Um, if you uh, were in the country a couple of years ago, you, and you may have heard of this even if you weren't, uh, we had a vote on whether or not uh, the United Kingdom should be part, continue to be part of the European Union. And um, there was actually quite a lot of news to be read about that. And there were quite a few people who were very happy to talk with you about that, whatever your opinion on it. And lots of people thought about it, and it was a big deal, and continues to be a big deal. Now, a friend of mine, I don't know how much she engaged uh, with reading the news and with talking with other people, but she had made a habit of uh, reading Charles Spurgeon's twice-daily brief scripture meditations called Morning and Evening. Spurgeon was a Victorian preacher, and he produced this book. It's It's a small book like that, and it just has a morning and an evening's worth of reflections on something from the Bible. The evening before the referendum, this was how... Uh, This was how the reading that was set began. We have many things in our possession at the present moment which can be shaken, and it ill becomes a Christian to set much store by them, for there is nothing stable beneath these rolling skies. Change is written upon all things. Yet we have certain things which cannot be shaken, and I invite you this evening to think of them, that if the things which can be shaken should all be taken away, you may derive real comfort from the things that cannot be shaken, which will remain. Whatever your losses have been or may be, you enjoy present salvation. You're standing at the foot of his cross, trusting alone in the merit of Jesus' blood, and no rise or fall of the markets can interfere with your salvation in him. No breaking of banks, no failures and bankruptcies can touch that. And on it went in the same vein. There could have been little more timely and helpful for any Christian wanting to walk with God in those days than reading that. Whichever way you were voting, whatever your hopes were set in, you needed to hear that or things like it if you were to walk with God faithfully. Because the rhythm was in her life. She got grace from God to walk through this time. What will keep you conscious of the fact that you're meant to be walking with him? 
What decision can you make today that will help you access more of his power and his grace to walk with him? The the best book that I think describes as many of these options as you will want to have consideration of is Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline. It's very helpful. It's very practical. It gives you a whole load of options. Just adding one could give you fresh grace to walk. Third thing, people walking, Christian walking is about following Jesus. We need strength from Jesus. And the reason we need these things is because how we are meant to walk is different to the world. Jesus takes us in a direction that most people aren't going in. And that's hard. What he's actually doing is more profound than simply another direction. It's not one direction out of the many available. We are following someone who walks on water. We're following someone who walked to the cross. Paul summarizes this different way perfectly in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. That's what Christian walking is. Walking with Jesus does mean being contrary to the world around us. They're making decisions and trying to be wise according to the facts that they see or according to the feelings that they are generating themselves. Christians make decisions based on faith, based on what God has said. And that is often relating to something that is currently invisible. God often says, that thing you can't see yet, head towards that. Put all your trust in that. Believe me that one day this will have been the right choice. Walking by faith may mean trusting that life is better with less money because you give generously to the church and to others in need. Walking by faith may mean having less time because you're committed to Sunday gatherings and to midweek small groups. Walking by faith will almost certainly mean less respect from people around you, even in your own home, because you tell them about Jesus and you live by a different way as you follow him. Walking by faith means believing God when he tells you to do something that you can't do in your own strength. Walking by faith changes our little plans and our manageable situations, and the things that we think we are capable of, and brings us into a new place where we say, along with Paul, who is sufficient for these things? And Jesus says, I am. Now follow me. It's different to the world. We have to learn that. And we have to trust to believe him. Final thing is that we don't walk by ourselves. When Paul talks about walking in Ephesians 4, he immediately gives several others-focused applications uh, because we are meant to walk in community. Not only do we have this privilege of walking with God ourselves, we walk with his people. So he says, uh, all humility and gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. To walk with others. This is how you have to walk. Humility, not, which is not about thinking less of yourself, it's thinking about yourself less. It's changing your perspective from where am I going to how can we get where God wants us to go. Gentleness, which is not softness as most people think. Gentleness is strength under control. 
It means you have got abilities from God and you choose to use them for the good of others rather than improving your own life. You find ways to encourage those around you to help them keep walking. You provide strength when they're weak for them to lean on you. And arm in arm, you continue to walk together. We need patience and to bear with one another because walking in a crowd is almost always harder than hiking by yourself. People walk at different speeds. They take alternative approaches to navigation. They need drinks breaks and loose stocks when you don't. And they might not take too kindly to the variety that you bring to the group. But we're to be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit. What God has brought together, no one should separate. Eagerness means finding everything that you can do to celebrate being with others on this walk. It's not just that, oh, they happen to be there. It's wonderful that they are. It's wonderful that we are together. It's actively remembering and giving thanks to God for the times when they helped you in ways that you could not have helped yourself. Eagerness means forgiving when you are bumped into or jostled or accidentally tripped up. Eagerness means looking for all the evidence you can find of God's perfect wisdom in bringing us together to walk, which is often another way in which we have to apply walking by faith uh, rather than sight. But as we do it, it's beautiful. Walking may be every day, and unspectacular, but it is a powerful way to understand the privilege of our life with God. He made us to be people who move through space and time. That's because he wants us to be his children and his friends, his colleagues and his companions. Christians are pilgrims, walking with God and each other by faith to a destination that is getting closer every day, Every step. Whether this year is as obviously glorious as those promises that we started with, will you keep walking? Will you follow Jesus, going wherever he tells you to go and cherishing his company? Will you keep going to him for the strength that you need? Will you walk by faith, not by sight? Will you share the journey with those around you. These are the things that God is calling us to do this year. Let's respond to him now by committing ourselves today to walk with God. Let's pray. Maybe you know, as I've been describing this, you're like, this is very only occasionally true of me, that that's what my life is like, that that's what it feels like, that that's what it looks like. I am... On occasion, aware of God, I think about him sometimes. And I go along to some things. And God's saying, that's a start. I want to walk with you every day. If that's you, why don't you just say to him right now, Lord, I I want to know you with me every day. I want to be walking with you in obedience and friendship and in your strength every day. Why don't you... Take this moment now just to tell him that.
some of you are aware, you just, you walk along with him for a while and then you go off in a whole other direction. And then you come back and you feel awkward. And then this just happens again and again. It's on repeat. And, it's, and actually it feels like you're not getting anywhere. And that's exactly what's happening. God is saying to you today, he's, put, he's, he's reminding you even now in this moment, this is what it is. You need to stop walking over there. You need to stop going over there. You need to start holding my hand and being close to me, says Jesus. What's that thing you need to repent of? If you feel stirred again, like, I love, I love knowing his presence with me. It's so good to know him with me. I believe he's telling you, I want to start taking you in directions that are unexpected. Start uh, heading for places that you would not have chosen for yourself, uh, that you may not even see in this life. This is what walking by faith is going to be like for you. He's going to lead you in that. If you're up for that, why don't you tell him yes now? Lord, help me live by faith, not by sight. Too often I make decisions based on sight. My hopes are based on sight. God's saying, it's time to put faith in the place of sight. God, help us however we're doing this. Help us to put our hope and our trust in you and learn to be with you, learn to walk with you every day. Thank you. You love being with us. Amen.